1: Craig, welcome on, mate. How are we? Too bad, thanks. Yourself? Yeah, all going well, mate. I imagine it's a uh, it's a busy time over at the Roosters, coming off a, a tough loss last week to the Raiders.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, you know, we probably, probably now with the benefit of hindsight, probably had a couple of wobbles over the last few weeks and um, you know, played a, a team that were committed, obviously, um, you know, obviously at the top of their game and, and they caught us out. We've, uh, we've got a... We've got to acknowledge that we've got to do some work around six different areas of um, our play up, and um, you know, thankfully, we've had a couple of days rest. We've had a tough period over the last sort of um, six weeks and short turnarounds and travel and whatever, so time to time to you know obviously let the guys recover fully this time, and then we'll get in and address those issues as the week goes on.
1: Mate, I guess in hindsight, uh, yourself being coached by Ricky Stewart, the uh, the old siege mentality that he's able to get together probably hasn't shocked you in hindsight that the Raiders got up for that game. Oh, no,
0: I think it, you have for well, last season. Um, yeah, Rick, first point is Ricky is very good at that. The siege mentality and ambushing and, and all the um, emotional reaction he gets out of his team. He's always had the ability to do that. So we were, uh, we were uh, under no illusions going into that game. It's going to be hard. I know they've got some injuries, but so have we. Um, it's, it's a hard game against them every time we play. So it doesn't matter where we are on the ladder. It doesn't matter who's in, who's out. We always have tough games against the Raiders. And then, you know, you, you, you throw that into the fact that we are last year's, uh, the replay of last year's grand final. It was, we, weren't, we weren't short on our, our mentality, I don't think. We just probably, um you know, we just got our plate on the night. And we've, got to, we've got to work out why and, and start fixing that.
1: Mate, you mentioned before a few stumbles over the last few weeks. Tell me about the loss of Victor Radley. In my opinion, he's one of the most underrated players in the comp. And I think he's so... So crucial to not only your defence but your uh, offensive structures. Tell me about the loss of Radley.
0: Uh, look, he's a he's an incredible young player and he's a incredibly infectious. So, but we, we've also got to. Um, we feel like we've got a good enough squad to to win anyway, and we want to work on that. And we're going to, you know, you, you can't stick your head in the sand. I think that Victor's a, a loss to your team, to anyone's team, and I think he's finally starting to get. Um, acknowledgement for, for how good a, a, not only a, a player is with his skill set and his hard hitting but he's actually a valuable team member as well like he's so, um, so infectious but look, we, we feel we can cover for the loss of Rad and Sam and, and we need to work out what parts of Rad's game is missing and, and fill them in but we've got full belief in the guys that can play in the middle for us you know you know, Butchers, Isaac Liu I we put CWA at the there at times, so we we feel like we can we can cover the um the loss of Rads or beat rather have him there, but it's not possible for this season.
1: Mate, obviously your main role there is um as the defensive coach, and I imagine you must be extremely proud of what you've seen over the last few years. To deny I'm the defence coach for this week?
0: Nah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, uh, I I get trans uh, trans defence mad, so. One thing that helps as a defensive coach, and listen, I was fortunate enough when I started coaching that he was already, you know, uh, he'd been coaching for a long time prior to that. So whilst we're the same age and we're good mates, it was really good to have his tutelage in in all defensive areas. And and he takes a large large chunk of responsibility for it too. So so when you're the defense coach and and you've got ideas or or things you want to put in place, it's It's only as strong as the word of the head coach to back that stuff up, and that's what he does, and he's got his own... He's got a super high footy IQ and loves his defence as well, so I think I'll get a a, a one-two punch combo there where I'll get a bit of support from him, that's for
1: sure. Mate, when I watch the Roosters and I compare them to the other sides in the NRL, I think, you know, it's a small factor rugby league, but it makes a huge difference. Your marker defence... They're just your, you know, your marker split, and your second marker. He's always, he's always just following, and you know, I call it um, closing that gate. They are just always working. It's obviously something that you guys actively uh, work on every week, yeah. Yeah,
0: I think I think gone are the days and I understand our defence is just an attitude. We actually think it's a bit more than that. There's a set of systems in place that. You know, and insurance policies that make sure you don't get broken down. And you now, listen, everyone's going to get caught from time to time. And you're just trying to set up systems to minimise that happening. And um, and to do that, you've got to have players that are willing to work into that system, and players that are willing to turn up for each other because they don't want to be the one that um, they don't want to be the one that lets each other down. Now, um, that's just more on show for Marco than probably. Um, anywhere else in the, in the defensive line. So having guys that have made a tackle and actually want to make another tackle or want to fill in the space, it's, um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's part of the system. But it's also it's, it's good to see. It's a, it's a real good sign of the, the ethic of the team. And, um, yeah, I think everyone's got their own um, policies in place of how that works. But you know, it's, just, it's just trying to make sure that they do their job and, and they want to get heavily involved.
1: Craig, obviously, in the modern game, you know, every set has a strike play on it that normally comes on your third or your fourth tackle, and, you know, it's normally um, your out-the-back play, which all the teams are, you know, they, they, they spend all week marking those plays, and then normally it's the strike play that comes after the strike play that, that separates the good teams from the great teams, and the Roosters, they just seem to defend that play, you know, call it scramble defense if you want, but they just seem to do it better than anyone.
0: Yeah, uh, if you... If- I think everyone's evolving, actually. Like, I think the standard of the footy's gone up, whether it's the six again, whether it's um, maybe it's uh, being the premiers, we feel like we've got to get into a war every week to win. Um, and, and I think the standard of footy or, or um, attacking footy against us has been quite high this year. And, but if if it goes back a couple of years where it's basically just, like you said, two or three won it hit ups then we'd back ourselves to do a good job there. And if it's only one shift off that, we'd back ourselves to handle that. And then if they take another hit up, um, it's it's sort of given up um, given up the good advantage. And yeah. everyone has different attack instructions. Everyone has different strike players. So sometimes just the ability of a player off the back of the shift. You know, you look at so, um, like a white or someone like that, they'll have a shift and the might not have nothing will happen from the shift, but he will just pick the ball up off that shift and just go. So, I think that um you're right, and and, and we have to work very hard at that. That's part of the part of your defensive system where you know you've got you've got a set of insurance policies in place to try and negate it. Sometimes you get caught, sometimes it works well, but there's um I think the attacking city's been a little bit better this year. To be honest with you, that?
1: yeah, without a doubt. I, I, how do you feel these rules have um uh, have affected the game? Like, do the Roosters feel more comfortable now, or is it a bit more of a worry? What What are your thoughts on the new rules?
0: It's the plan for everyone. So it's not a worry. Um. I think it's been a good. It's been a positive. It's been a positive for the game on the on the whole. you uh, when you're on the wrong end of them, they can hurt you. You know, it can have a fair bearing on what happens during the game. But no, well, I think that um, I think it's been better for the game in general. I think that's important that we everyone's happy with it. Everyone sees the style of play expanding, and it's not a structure, and that's great. It's great for footy fans. My only concern would be. They just bring it in for more reasons and get rid of scrums, mate. Someone's gonna someone's gonna die soon. That's just hard it, it can't get any harder. Like it's so hard on I'm just watching players top line players just give everything they've got week after week. If we you start throwing in more six again, no scrums, shorter turnarounds, like God, what are you asking these guys to do? There's only so much time in their life they can prepare for a game like that, you know? So that's um I think we're at a real good level where we're at right now and if you leave it alone for a, a, a number of years we'll acclimatise and then from then on you move it but too many big shifts in the wrong direction I'm not sure what'll happen there
1: Mate I was going to ask you a little bit later but now you've mentioned that like how much work these guys are doing and how much is expected of them like, I'm just going to throw a hypothetical at you here. You know, if you were to yeah. pick your, your best team for the Roosters over the last two or three years and put them up against your best team from the Roosters that you were involved in that 2002 to 2004, are the guys now, is the game just so different that they would blow them away? Or what? H- how do you see it? Oh, it's a tough question. Yeah, I suppose
0: it's, you'd like to see, I'd like to see the teams that we we're in have the preparation and the detail Then teams have, now, the, the professionalism, the power, and speed of the guys now I think is above where we're at. Um, but that's not to say that guys from that era couldn't prepare like these guys and, and take it there. So it's a really tough question because it, we can debate, that's a great debate. Um, but the reality is that professionalism and the standard of um, physical preparation, footy preparation, it's, it's through the roof compared to back then so whilst everyone was still damn fit damn tough and all that stuff like you've got to acknowledge that everyone was still playing um, some really good intense footy back then footy's always been intense I think it's fair to say one ear is softer than the other it's just um, yeah it's just probably the preparation of the guys now is entirely different
1: Tell me about your uh, your culture at the Roosters at the moment. You know, it's obviously the envy of the league. And I look at, you know, like obviously Cooper Cronk came in two years ago and he's been amazing. But now you've brought in young Kyle Flanagan. Cooper Cronk is still in the building helping Flanagan. I've seen Josh Morris come in this year. He's been amazing. And when he eventually retires, I'm sure he's going to be around the place still. And the next young senator to come to the Roosters is going to have Josh Morris there. They're going to have Brett Morris there. You know, the, the guys that you're signing, they're as important when they're on the field as when they retire to me, and it, it, it's it's an incredible um, culture that you're building there.
0: Yeah, I think um, uh, you've got to basically, I think, acknowledge the coach and setting up, um, set, setting up like we're, we're well, obviously a well-run club from the top to bottom, chairman, because we're a very stable environment. Um, we have um, very little external issues or external. Um, pressures to deal with so we focus on the footy and the coach is responsible for making the footy so important to the guys and then going about recruiting guys that um you feel can fit your organisation and we've got a good bunch of guys. We just seem to be it's a real good work environment. I think when the when obviously results uh going your way in the in the large part it's it's a happy place to turn up to work. And everyone feels safer, you know, they're coming to work and they're not they're not guarded, they're not they come in and express themselves well, and they give the best account of themselves. And when everyone's happy and looking forward to working hard for each other, it's, it flows. Now, it's very hard to it's very hard to say what does um culture look like is in a in a tangible sense, but it's very it's very obvious to see when you don't have it. Unfortunately for us, we we've got it at the moment, but it's, it's, there are many key aspects to it in in player um, player behavior um, players. Uh, acceptance of, to be all into the club and, and the culture and they're just good men they're good young men they've worked very hard on themselves to improve as good young men and when, like I said we're, because of the results have been really strong for a few years it, it does help definitely helps because you don't have that external pressure and noise and things creeping in from the outside so um, I think we've done that pretty well over last but I've got to acknowledge the boss there he's um the coach set up um, the club that run a smoothie as it is
2: Terry with the shot the shot is high is the shot in the jore he's kicked low Terry kicks the field
1: When I spoke to Bernie Gurr a few weeks ago, he was obviously the CEO back when you were winning uh, the 2002 Premiership and the the few years before that and after. And he spoke about when you guys won that comp, you had a number of players that he called in the sweet spot of their career. And obviously, there's a lot of guys at the Chooks right now in their sweet spot. The one guy I want to ask you, and I think he's in his sweetest spot right now, Luke Keary. Tell me about him.
0: Yeah, yeah. it's funny how um, I don't know if he's ever had a a really bad period Luke Carey. like if you really put in um, no, I'll give you a story I remember going with Jason Taylor when um, JT we're our first year of coach and he was coaching our attack so then I remember going over to North Sydney Able because our feeder team was Newtown I remember JT said to me mate you watched this young halfback playing for North who was South feeder team at times. time so his name's Luke Keery then a little fellow you watch him play and then um, just remember that clear as clearest day, JT. So not to me. From then, on, just watching his South career. And other than the the off field issue we had, his football was it was still enormously exciting. Like he was still a great young player. And see, um, we were the beneficiaries of that off field problem for uh, for us at the Roosters. And, and his game has flourished. And you're right about a sweet spot. Like he's playing such good footy now. But he's been um, just as important over the last few years to the balance of our team. And he's probably stepped up a little bit more in the leadership sense, um, without having Cooper there without a real good shared combo and he's stepped up a bit in that regard and it seems to be um seems to be making him, yeah, like you said, flourish. Uh the leadership role that he has is um it's added another element to his to his big game, you know, his mindset to big games and his mindset to, to organising the game.
1: You know better than me, but I remember watching Brad Fittler around that two thousand and one, two thousand and two period, and he sort of just came back one pre, after one preseason, and he just he had mastered how to take advantage of a short side. You know, he, he'd drop a man on the on the fourth defender, then take him on down the short side. And Luke Keary, over the last eighteen months, I don't know if there's a better footballer taking on short sides in the rugby league at the moment. He's unbelievable, Luke Keary. Yeah, he catches
0: you by surprise there, like the different. Um short side defence, if you get your numbers right, you can generally handle yourself pretty well. But the thing with Luke, he just the speed that he catches the ball. He catches it right on the advantage line and the speed that he gets the defenders to make a decision, it just happens so fast that causes a bit of confusion there. He's definitely um definitely a great asset to his game and um I think even his longer percentage plays from a bit wider out have started to before over the last but you are right about Freddie. You know, the other thing with Freddie is a little bit different of Luke. If you're that short side defender and Freddie bowls around the corner and comes down again, mate, like, you got to worry about tackling him, you've got to worry about his pass, you gotta worry there's just plenty of plenty decision making going on if Freddie's around at him.
1: Without a doubt, yeah, he he just he he uh, he's the most complete footballer I think I've ever seen, Brad Fiddler. He was incredible. Mate, on a personal uh, coaching note yourself, obviously you've been the assistant there for a few years. You've had great success. There's a couple of NRL jobs going at the moment, whether it be the New Zealand Warriors or over at the Canterbury Bulldogs. Are any of those uh, tickling your interest at the moment?
0: No, but um, uh, a little bit of... been linked to a few positions, not the Bulldogs. One. That, that appears to be uh, uh, gone now, I think. Anyway, but no, I've got a contract for the next couple of years rooster, and I'll be honouring that. Um, I think I've been pretty clear in saying that for the next for this year, and next year. I look at Robo and Nick are two of my closest friends, and like I'm not having this discussion with anyone at this point in time if it wasn't for those guys. So I've been with the Roosters for close 20 years. I'm just not comfortable leaving unless it's right, and I wouldn't do that. Um, you know, if I'm, if I'm good enough to be a head coach, those opportunities will still be there at the end of that. But signing off on. Um, my Roosters' career is just as important to me as signing into the next career. So I've got to, um, I've got to handle that in the right way. And look, I, you know, the interest, if it was there from New Zealand, is a flattering. I think they're exciting prospects of the club. I really do. Um, but for now, I've got, um, like I said, I've got to honour the agreement and I'm comfortable with the decision I make to stay with the rooster next couple of years. But yeah, a club like the Warriors is definitely exciting and it you knows what can happen over the next couple of years. I'm not sure where I'll end up. But
1: I must say, I must say, the most important thing being at the moment is just Yeah, without a doubt. Mate, speaking of um, coaching, and I think, you know, a factor of your career that, you know, it isn't spoken about often. Um, Other obviously, he was a head coach at the Steelers, the Cronulla Sharks. You were a young bloke growing up there. What sort of an influence did that have on you?
0: Good, really good, I was, I was a bit offended. I bought a big article I read the other day, and it was about all Jack Gibson's coaching and and the the, the people that he coached and developed out of his coaching. And I didn't mention the old fellow. I was upset for him, but he had four years as his assistant at Cronulla, um, and then took over after Jack left and won. He won the minor premiership in his first year as head coach. Um, yeah, they had a great team with Et and Mark McGraw and Docking and Michael or those Gavin Miller, of course, but um. So he did really well in his uh, three years as head coach, made the finals and, and then he's a super quiet, super humble guy he just walked away. I don't know if the, I don't know if the Jack Gibson, um, remember the old philosophy on, um, do you remember this where he used to say, oh, you can only have, I think it was three years or four years at a joint and yep. i get sick of hearing your messages. So I've never asked him is that, but I, I wonder if it just he did his three years and went, all right, they're sick of hearing me, I'm out. And he just tapped out. So, um, but he went back to Illawarra's the footy manager for a while there and, uh, took over just briefly when Graham Lane moved on. But no, it's, it's been a, it's been a blessing for me. Um, you know, again, when we talk about footy, he's very, very blunt, doesn't, doesn't talk. He's quite, very quiet and doesn't, uh, waste words. But if you looked at my, uh, my life from the age of, um, five, Onwards, and I'm 43 now, I've been in and around first grade Jetson Sheds, so um, you learn a lot about behavior, characters, even small conversations as a kid growing up, you never forget them, and just a fascinating area, That um, the the footy realm and the relationships between players and coaches, so I've always been fascinated by that, so I would have to say it's been a good advantage
1: tell me mate at the start of your career obviously you make your debut in 98 the couple of years leading up to that the super league war explodes in australia being a young guy coming into first grade you know did that have much effect on your development or where you ended up or anything along those lines i
0: wish it i wish it did have a bigger impact on me <laughs> got the uh, got the, the goals back pocket yeah we say so. um now, look, we're at an ARL-aligned club in the Steelers, and um, I was only eighteen or nine at the time. So, I signed a, a ten-thousand-dollar loyalty agreement to stay with the ARL and stay with the Steelers. I was pumped. I thought, oh, that was that was that was all I was worth at that time. I can tell you that. So, um, I, I was through that. Very happy. I, I wish I missed. I missed that money pool there and then this the one there on the outside unfortunately we played right in the middle of all of it but no it, was, um, it didn't have a huge impact it was pretty straightforward at that time um, and then my debut in 98 was back with 20 teams in the competition anyway
1: tell me about your debut mate how did you find out that you would uh, don the Steelers jersey for the first time
0: oh, oh mate I went surfing that morning to be honest with you yeah, I, just, I just thought I was on the bench because Brad McKay was the star in lock I'd been, um, I'd been for first I remember just sitting in the sun in the stands and I was just all nice and relaxed I thought if I get on the field for however long today that would be great uh, just to experience it you know and then as the barrel walked up to me and I was sitting in the stand and he goes "Ah, mate you're starting today Um, Mac is sick I just went oh my god and um, we were playing the night and they achieved Adam McDougall, the John boys, mate, Robbie O. Davis was doing backflips after tries, and they were a unit at the time, and I think we scored first, we went up like 6-0, but we got we got ran down pretty pretty heavily by the night, but it was an awesome experience, I'll never forget it. And, um, I was always thankful, i got to say, I really loved playing for Andy Star. He's a great man, and... Great supporter of mine, so well, I'm, I was happy, and he had a lot of trust in me as a young player, and threw me in there. And probably wasn't physically ready, but he still believed in me.
1: Tell me about that first game coming up against the Johns brothers. Obviously, they'd won the comp the previous year and were just full of confidence. They must have been a pretty scary prospect.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. They are so um, the team was so big and powerful. We, we had a good young team. Like if, if we kept that that Illawarra team was a good young. They were very young and they were very polished in their careers at the time. And I remember it's the size and the power of trying to tackle Chiefs and those guys, but the John's boys were yahooing and some weird connection. They're making hoots and hollers at each other and throwing the ball around and expressing themselves. And Whilst was, it was, it was, it was nerve-wracking, it was impressive to see.
1: Mate, you mentioned that really good young squad you had at the Steelers. Um, to some extent, it all comes crashing down the next year when the merge happens. You know, that's for for young people nowadays to think that two footy teams would merge together. You know, it's just about unheard of. How did that all work?
0: I don't know, it's very hard to do. I, they pulled it off. They really did. Um, look, everyone, obviously, if you from the Dragon side of things, you would like to stay together with all your Dragons friends, and us Illawarra guys want to stay together with our Illawarra really friends, but it um, wasn't to be. And you know, they basically just got, we all knew that you know, everyone knew the merger was being discussed and, and going to happen and then eventually um they chose 12, 12 Steelers players and 13 um, Dragons players to make a squad of 25 and I was just fortunate I was one of those 12 but it was a tough time for the ones that didn't, didn't get in but uh from a personal note it was thrilling and, and it, was, it was great, well, they, they handled it really well, I've got to say that, they, the, the Dragons, it was tough, it's not as easy as, as it may seem, to get all these good players, throw them together, and they can just win footy games. There's a fair bit in it. and um, The benefit of hindsight now to make that grand final and all bet not win it, but that was a remarkable achievement, I think.
1: Mate, you mentioned that they had 12 Steelers players, 13 Dragons players. Was that, like, were those two numbers, were they set in stone that they had to pick 12 from the Steelers, 13 from the Dragons, or was that just how it ended up? Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, That's a good
0: question. I'm not sure where the balance lay there is, whether they just put their put 12 of each down and had a swinging vote. I'm, I'm not sure. I really oh, I can't answer that question.
1: Yeah. You mentioned making that grand final an incredible effort. Also, the team you came up against, the Melbourne Storm, they'd only been in the comp for two years or whatever. An unbelievable grand final. So tell me about the lead-up to that grand final because I remember that game against the Sharks you guys played and Mundine, yep. that might be the best game of football I've ever seen someone play. Yeah, yeah, for
0: sure. He um, was... That's the one who did the forward flip over in the corner, wasn't it? He scored, it, uh, scored a try over in the far left corner. But he, yeah, he was, he was in rare form at the time. And um, we'd had a couple of tough semis there. So that, that was a huge win for us and, and gave us plenty of confidence in the lead-up. And that when, you know, him and, and Nathan Blacklock was flying at the time too. So we had, um, like I said, we had a good squad. Like Trent Barrett, Tim, well. I don't want to start naming guys. We had that youth and the, and the experience of, Hey, uh, McGregor's and um, Brad McKay and bloody Mark Hines for the year, and yeah, got those Nathan Brown, like great people and great players. So it was just a really good blend of experienced guys that had seen it all and young guys having them on the track.
2: Now Mundy in the grubbing kick. they'll score!
1: That 99 grand final, it starts fantastically for you. You score the first try. What were you paying that day? $55. <laughs> did any no, of the boys no, get no. on it or
0: what? Yeah, damn right they did.
1: <laughs> 55 It's massive. Because you yeah, started on the bench, didn't you?
0: Yeah, but it was only a bit I well, was, you're on, well, I don't, know what, I don't know how long it was into the game, but you get on pretty quick because there was, was only a bit of energy so There people coming off and going every, you know, that's probably not that far out of the realms of getting a try, but not for a forward. He would have backed a, maybe an interchange for sort of utility or something. But anyway, a few of, them, few of them my mates did, and paying 55 bucks. So got a couple of
1: spinners out of that. Mate, we'll talk about it more later, but fuck you, you knew your way to the uh, promised land in a grand final just quietly.
0: Uh, yeah, man, it's a crash over in a couple. I wish it was um, a bit more spectacular for him. We dived on a grubber, more or less barged over from three metres out twice. <laughs> so, um, they're not they're less than spectacular, but still the name on the scoreboard in the grand final. So I'm stoked. I'm stoked for sure. And not something not, I'd not probably be remembered for. That's just, you know, I don't think
1: so. I thought those three metre charges would have turned into uh, 50 metre charges by now. Yeah, they're,
0: they're getting longer, don't worry. They're getting longer
1: for people that haven't seen it. <laughs> Mate, that um that grand final obviously ends in you know just utter chaos with the uh, penalty try. Explain to me where... Were you on the field at that time? Were you on the bench? What what, what was the feeling surrounding that moment? bizarre.
0: Um, it's a long time. Yeah. It's hard to really like, have to that. I'm more vivid about after the game. I just saw the effect it had on our senior players. And I was just... I was, I was like second year, first grade. Like I, I, To even be in Grand Finals, just spinning. And um, I just saw the impact... That it had on our senior players, and um, I, I can—that's that's the hardest part of all of it. Um, and the, you realise the opportunity missed when I saw the effect on those guys. And it's probably getting um, talked about more as time goes on, but it's just a game of footy, isn't it? Like it just edge and flows, and um, you didn't shut the game out. They got back into it, and then it come down to a, a big call, and that's, that's what happened. But um, I don't think anyone. Uh, anyone's to blame, we just probably should have shut the game out, really, and and I'm sure um, it's it's one of the great grand finals, if you look at it, um, in the big picture sense, but a disappointing night for the um, George Aurora Dragons and anyone who was involved in it.
1: What about that try Nathan Blacklock scored?
0: Yeah, that sort of 50-50 bounce and
1: just hit it, and um, he's to charge onto it.
0: Yeah, he was lucky like a Mick out or someone was standing in front of him when he caught a link. But he, uh, <laughs> he he was such a brave play like just to hit that and his incredible spatial uh, awareness as a player and just to be able to like time get that on and just just let it go and go straight for it and kill or be killed and he come out the other side is great.
1: Fitzy, had you uh, had you signed with the Roosters at that point or did it come after the grand final? Nah. Come
0: on after the grand final. Um, yeah, I probably probably wore a bit of flack for leaving in the end, but the, the reality of what happened was I was to throughout that um, semi and a couple other things that happened and wasn't feeling. Um, like I was a you know, priority and at the end of it i still if you if you're a player and you're off contract, you you know that most guys are signing in like sign June, July, August, aren't they? They're not um they're still unsigned. After the grand final, so I actually went. I uh, went out a few beers with the boys, and I was still undecided about what to do. And um, went up to um, went up to Sydney on like the Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday, something like that, and met Bernie Gurr and um, Phil Gould, and agreed then. So I hadn't actually signed anywhere until after the grand final. So um, that was a big call, and, and history would tell me I made the right call there. But it was still tough. I, I'm so close with all the guys that I've grown up playing with in Illawarra and I'm still close friends with all of them and I still live down here so it's a big attachment for me so it's
2: a big call but
0: I feel like it was the right one.
1: Yeah I, uh, I'm i willing to bet you've made worse decisions in your life.
0: <laughs> it's paid off well for me we put it that like, The opportunity to be in such a great team you know, when I saw signed as the Roosters and players and, and the era we had there as a team and then now the, um, for them I played there for 10 years and for them to, to give me a, a position now to coach for the last nine years, it's um I, I couldn't yeah I, I wouldn't have thought when I signed that it was going to be such a good relationship for me, but um now yeah, they one of my, my second family now.
1: Mate, you um you obviously signed with the Roosters. They're captained by Brad Fittler, the Australian captain at the time. Tell me about the first time you met Freddie.
0: Cool, me. I remember um after it all happened, I got a few mates that um. Grew up in West Wallong and we just went out to West Wallong just to go motorbike ride and hang out with a few beers. I just wanted to get out of it, like, um, get away and, and chill out for a bit. And I remember um, I just phoned, I didn't know the number, so I just thought it ring through and left a message. And I thought, oh, shit, Brad Fittler called and left me a message. That's when I saw home, you know, I, mean, I, just, I had to um, go back and have a chat. He was just, just ready. he just, mate, welcome. Great, right, good state sign, mate. Just so so welcoming, so calming. And then um, that you know from then on, everything was a pretty pretty seamless move
1: um, in the end. Mate, your uh, your coach there was of course Graham Murray. Um, you know, strange little turn of events that obviously a few years before that he was the coach of the Illawarra Steelers, and your dad um, took over from him. It's uh, it's a weird little world rugby league, isn't it?
0: It's round and it's not that big, and everyone seems to come back around, and it's it's great for that reason too. You know, while we all get um, everyone competitive towards each other, it's very tribal. Um, it's always a war of words. There's always a bit of angst towards other people and whatever. But main rugby league people are great guys, and and you always when you put those club differences or team differences aside, mate, everyone gets on great. Like it's such a good community and. One benefit I've been lucky enough to use the involvement in rep footy is you just get to hang out with people from other clubs and where it's so exciting, it's so fun and it really is filled with great people and we have our hiccups from time to time where people slip up, that's for sure, but um, the same reason as the boys are lunatics on the field, you, know, you can't just isolate that one part of their life, it's very hard so they slip up from time to time, but listen, on the main, people you meet in rugby league forge, forge friendships for years and, um just again it probably sometimes probably doing not now you probably need to sit back a little bit more often we're like here hiring for your small business
1: if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role Mate, I, uh, I've spoken to obviously Bernie Gurr and your good mate Anthony Minocello over the last few weeks, and they spoke about that two thousand grand final. You essentially came up against a kangaroo side that day, didn't you? Yeah, the unlimited interchange.
0: Uh, I mean, don't quote me on it, but like, did they make fifty something changes? It was some astronomical amount of interchange. It was
1: ridiculous. Yeah, it was. It was, it was a, a different like game. That. It wasn't rugby league. It was crazy.
0: And the the quality of their team and. Um, and mate, they're wrong Fawn and thorn and webkin. Oh mate, just just relentless. But um, listen, we got back in the game. I scored that try late, and then I kicked the goal from the sideline, but it hit the the crossbar to make it 14-6. If we got fourteen eight, who knows? But I would have thought we were, we were lucky to get back into the game. Not pretty dominant. Um, so where we were at as a young team there at the Roosters, we had some still Freddie and, and I've experienced Freddie Rico. That's the guys. But um, that was a oil machine that Brisbane unit. <laughs>
1: I reckon that uh that sound of the ball hitting the crossbar would have uh, echoed through your head for a while just quietly. looked like a pin perfect kick.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, nah, it's not lost on me that it might have changed. Um yeah, Carmen never kicks that you move for is a, a kicker's right on the touch line. Uh, I, I thought it did everything right, honestly. Just in my little legs, just didn't hit the thing hard enough, eh?
1: And it's one of the very few times I've seen you not make the distance on a kick. Off the top of my head. I can't remember many other times when you haven't uh, I've got past the trial line?
0: Yeah, I I've had a few. But I did have some periods there where I, I um. I think there's a real balance on sort my stall of kick everywhere obviously I was always fatigued being a back row. So um, and one thing I used to do when I was tired, if I try and kick too hard, it's hard to explain this, but it's it's actually a bit biomechanical. If I if I'm really tired and I try and kick the ball too hard, I sink down on my front leg and it makes me hook the ball. And part of keeping the ball straight in the air, you've got to keep my head over the ball and keep my hips up and tall. So I just was always reminding myself, don't do over-hit it because I'll miss. This was all about the routine of hitting the ball properly. And you know, most of the time it worked out, but a couple of times I didn't leave enough in it.
1: Fitzy, I spoke to uh, Darrell Halligan a few months ago and he went through his kicking routine and he said the biggest mistake people make is trying to kick the shit out of the ball when they're tired, essentially. He had a, he had a certain routine that he followed that... Was the same in the first minute as it was in the 80th minute. Did you have a certain yep. routine that you followed, or, or a certain training program for your kicking you did during the week? Hundred
0: percent had similar routines. I worked with Daryl over a few years. He was great for me, but um, as well. And now, uh, definitely managing the fatigue for me was the number one thing. Obviously, um, the the load of a the forward is probably a bit higher than outside backs or whatever. But everyone's hard. Um, like everyone who's kicking that ball in a game's tired. So. I didn't see that as an excuse, but I had to really quickly, as soon as we scored, try and get my heart rate back down and clear the mind. And, and mate, when you're in a footy game, it's hard to explain, but your, your brain sounds like it's got signals crashing in it and static and noise. It's just like carnage in there. So to try and get your head to calm down, back to the baseline, and then try and um, go through a routine, was, that was important. And, and not kicking the shit out of the ball, was that was part of the routine. I was just trying to slow everything down and kick it back up, and um, but definitely
1: rely on a routine to do it, mate. We spoke about that two thousand grand final, and I don't know how you want to describe them or what do you what what you want to call these players, but in my opinion, every team to win a comp, they need a real prick in their team. The other team doesn't want to come up against, and I think that man for you arrived in two thousand and one, Adrian Morley. Tell me about Moz. Um, it's like a split
0: personality, Moz, because you've never met a bigger gentleman, and it's like he was such. I've been fortunate because of the Roosters, uh, the last we've been over in England for the World Cup challenges, so i got to hang out. and well, we stayed right near where Mosley is, so we've spent heaps of time with and it's like we've just never separated. He's such a good man. He's just an absolute gentleman, and, and just has white line feet as soon as he it crosses his stride, It's just win at all costs, and it's just the sort of player that you want to have in your your team and, and not against him, and, and he was hugely influential in his style of play we had like a we had a really good balance. You had some sort of like, you know, like worker players like myself and Rico and Mods for some impact. And then you had some creative guys in Flannery and Crocker and, and, you know, we just had a and then we all knew one thing that we all knew this was really simple. Um, you know, he impacted Mini and, and Wingy as well. But we all knew if we got close enough on a scoreboard that Freddie would ice again. Um, and you know, going into a game with a real clear mindset i hey, we'll do our jobs, we'll roll the sleeves up and get all the work done and um, if it's close, Freddie will sort it out and if not, the you know, minis and wingies and those guys, are, they're hard to handle and they've got points in and everywhere so it's just such a good balance to the team
1: Were you, uh, were you playing in the test match where Adrian Morley uh, took off Robbie Kearns's head in the first eight seconds of the game yeah. or something?
0: I sure was, I sure was. So, mate, um, we only just won that game. Was that the three? We only just won all three tests actually on the bill. Um, yeah, the, uh, I remember he winked at me on the thing in the anthem, and then um,
1: he more or less just
0: started. Yeah, he <laughs> winked, sang the anthem, shook hands, and then he comes up with that. I was like, oh, that, that, just. I knew he had a white line but not like that.
1: Mate, speaking of Morley, um, you get to you get to that two thousand and two grand final and I spoke to Bernie Gurr last week about the Richard Villas Anti hit on Freddie being a turning point and it really it flicked a switch in uh, Adrian Morley, didn't it?
0: It started the catalyst, I think was starting to grind them back down, grinding back down, but then that happened and it
1: was like it happened immediately, didn't it? I
0: mean Mike got in the next set and then um and then Freddie come up with a couple of big plays and then we just, we'd we blew them away in the end there. But, um, yeah, it was a big, big moment in the game. It's a big moment in grand final history. No one's going to forget that. And um, it was, uh, definitely, definitely the turning point, or a turning point for us um, in getting the victory. And, and We're going to back ourselves to go back in there, but it probably had a, a fair bearing on the the, the amount of, um, that we did in the last 20 minutes, I suppose.
2: Back for Shannon Hegarty There's a chance for Fitzgibbon. Fitzgibbon must be horribly
1: close. Mate, that 2002 Grand Final night, obviously you win your first Premiership. It's your third Grand Final in, in what, four years? Um, you've lost two of them. You win that. You pick up the Clive Churchill medal. You score another try in a Grand Final, your third try in a Grand Final. I, I'd i be shocked if there's another forward ever that scored in three consecutive Grand Finals. What a night for you.
0: Yeah, was great. It um... great. Just uh, uh, just a culmination of everything, and um, you would have heard about um, you would have heard about our training and how hard we worked throughout the course of years. Ricky's first year, um, we we set some new standards for ourselves as a club in our preparation and training, and much hard work had gone into it. So you have um, just the, it's like the ultimate relief when it's over. It's such a good feeling. I uh, wish. You, know, you just start privileged a lot privilege to be part of it, and a lot of people don't get that. And yeah, you can't. It's, it's, hard, to, it's hard to put in the words because you've heard about talk about it, surely. Like you've heard anyone ever 71 or play Rare Form of they talk about that, and everyone will say the same thing. But it, it is really hard to put a, a set of words together to make you go, Oh, yeah, I get it. You know, it's um, just a huge relief after a bloody long and hard year.
1: Fitzy, when I spoke to Anthony Minocello a few weeks ago, he mentioned um, those that preseason with Ricky Stewart was just on another level. And Minnie described how hard it was. And then a few weeks later I had um I had a bloke that was in your extended squad who messaged me and said, Fuck, like if if you can understand how hard Minocello found it, he was the fittest one there. The rest of us, it was just absolute torture. What do you remember from those sessions?
0: Yeah, yeah, we went hard we went hard, mate. Um, you know, not to run through session plans or anything like that, but it was, hard, I, don't, I don't I think it was probably just an, uh, an acknowledgement of looking at the squad, we're all sort of tall leaner guys, you know, we're all sort of six twos, six threes, forwards and pretty athletic and I suppose all had a, an element of fitness in our game and, and maybe Ricky just decided to go with the, the fitness and defence, but, mate, it was, it was excruciatingly hard and, and that, a direct, um, that's a direct answer for like it. it, it we, mate, it was responsible for the way we played, and it was responsible for winning the grand final. So it was worth it, whatever it was. It might have been bloody hard, and it might have been scary to think about, and, and however
1: hard you will describe it,
0: it won't match what actually happened either. But it was worth it. You'd do it again if it was going to guarantee a premiership, wouldn't you?
1: Mate, you worked hard on the field, off the field. You guys had a great time. Have you got a um, house of grouse story for me? <laughs> Me run through the house of our city. He, he mentioned it, but he was—he played a pretty straight bat for me. So I'm hoping I can get something out of you. Uh,
0: I'll, I'll keep a straight bat with it as well. But our wild times—times
1: times are different
0: than to now. We definitely, um, we trained hard and played hard on and off the field. Um, but one thing we never did, and I'm um, my language—we didn't f with the footy. You know, like we just turned up. Like whatever we did on a Friday, Saturday night, when we come back Monday, ready to go and uh, well I, I don't I, even though it might have seeped over into our um, preparation it, I just don't remember it ever being an anchor to our performance and I don't remember it being an anchor to the way we prepared for games because we were training hard. but I would say that it's not ideal preparation in the current climate it would have been a big advantage to be given to another club I think everyone might have been doing it that stage
1: I ask you mate obviously you know when you played in the early 2000s compared to now would you rather play when you played
0: uh, well, Matt, I'm I'm terrified after boys playing now. So I was terrified back then too. So it doesn't make much difference to me. Um, I the the fear of complete exhaustion was always huge for me. i like, I was so nervous game day, and I never reacted to the nerves, but I just always felt like, what am I doing? Like, really, and then the feeling of being um, finishing a game, and being... It's going to sound perverse. I love the feeling of being bashed up and like, you know, shit kicked out of here and whatever. That feeling sitting there with the boys after a game and sitting with your team members and blood, be bruised up, bashed up. I'm paid with money to feel like that again. I'm not going to do it but it's priceless. Um, it's it really is. So, i watch what the guys go through now. I'm oh, physically probably not the biggest, strongest guy, mate. These guys are 10 miles and legs off nowadays, I think. It's a little tough to answer. I'd love to have... Well, would love to have the preparation that the guys have now to see what sort of athleticism level you could get to. But listen, the era back then was bloody hard and it's still bloody hard now. It's a great game for that reason. And uh, everyone's searching for the extra 1% to improve. But there's some big, tough boys on the field nowadays
1: speaking of improvement mate obviously the end of that 2002 season you've come so far you make your Kangaroo's debut uh, how did you find out you'd been picked to represent Australia
0: yeah it was just on the on on the beers my mate's got a phone call and um, I remember like just numb like, I, hadn't, I hadn't played um, I played country that year I hadn't played State of Origin yet so um, I remember walking out just ringing mum and dad straight away that was the first thing I did I just and the boys, the boys were going mad. First it was myself and Wingy um, that made it. And then I just remember just having such a great time. We just won back of a hard year. And then I remember the boys were going mad. First they met, you know, screaming and shouting. So it was great. It was such a, such a good memory.
1: Was it pretty daunting walking into that camp? You know, obviously you hadn't played State of origin. You'd only played three or four years of first grade. Same as Wingy. How was that feeling walking into camp?
0: It was a bit intimidating. Gordon was the captain and, um... Me and Shane Webke, Big Ford, Petra, I, I was a little bit intimidated, but I was also, at the time, all playing good footy. Um, and, and I was also, um, I had a confidence in a confidence in my ability to play big games where I, I felt like I was going to, even though I was intimidated by those guys individually and, and you know, it's just first crack. And they've been in there for, you know, six, seven years already. They've been for Australia. So I knew I'd be a new young kid. But I was also going, no, no I'm, going to, I'm going to play a style of footy that makes these guys respect me quickly. And I was confident in the fact that if I got enough time on the field, I was on the bench. I was confident if Chris Anderson was going to – he was the coach at the time. Give me enough time on the field that I, would, um, uh, that I would show these guys that I was, you know, could be a valuable team member for them and they'd respect the way I play footy. So, um, you yeah, we got a win. Um, did I play great? Sort of went okay with that. With that um Shining, I don't think, but it set me up for a, a decent Australian uh, rep career for the coming years after where I felt like I had a good good time playing alongside those guys.
1: 1,003 rolls around, mate, and winning premierships is hard. Defending them is obviously incredibly more difficult. What changes did you guys make that year?
0: Yeah, winning after winning is a good question. We have it's coaches now a lot, and um, I'm sure Ricky and the coaching staff were having it back then as well, where... Yeah, it, you want to stick true to who you are as a team and as a club, and and we still did um, with the Roosters back then. I think we stuck true to the our defensive principles where we're you know we a big athletic team, we're line speed, and, and we we stuck true to an aggressive style of play, and um, you know some just fine moments where we, we didn't capitalise on maybe field position or opportunities, however you want to call it. But I, I think we represented the style of play we wanted to have. We just felt sort of short, which is disappointing. So it's very hard. You want to all the while still represent the way you play, the way you defend and all that. But you get, you have to do have a couple of elements that can um, catch an opposition out. But you can't, you can't go into a game thinking about those couple of elements because if you're trying to win a grand final via trick shot, trying to win a grand final via a trick play, it ain't going to happen you got to win a grand final by you know, the best representation of your style of play as a club, um, your style of defence, your style of attack, and, and do it to the best of your ability to win the big game. Now, we probably represented it, but it wasn't as, at the level that we had been previously
1: mate hindsight is a fantastic tool and if you were to use it now based on what you've learned over the 2018 season when you guys went back to back is there you know is there anything you would implement that trent robinson had put in over that two-year span that you think could have come in handy for your side back in 02 and 03 no like i you know, i don't i don't think
0: um i don't i don't i, don't, I wouldn't say there was a, an actual element i, I we've kept it very simple for our last couple of years. And, and mate, we're all clear as to what we were trying to do back in 2003 and four. But if you have our, our style of play and, um, again, our defence and, and everything we were trying to achieve back then, we just obviously didn't do it to the level that had made us so successful. It was still a damn good showing of yourself to get to a grand final and play that way. But then we'll forever burn us that... All of us didn't play our best footy on that night and and get over the line. Um, There's such a small difference in both teams on on a night like that. We're on the wrong end of that for the three and four seasons, but I still think we we played hard. We just didn't play our best.
1: Jeez, um, Luke Prettis had one hell of a game that night, didn't
0: he? Yeah, he did. He did. When he won the Quad Churchill medal, everyone remembers the Sattler tackle, which was an amazing moment. But yeah, he he controlled the game,
1: Luke. The other man that really impressed me that night, I thought he had a huge game. Martin Lang in the middle, obviously uh, wet weather footy. He really took it to you guys, didn't
0: he? You know what? Like, the, what what simple as a, and as you know, we were all trying to organise, organised intimidation and aggression and all of those things. But they were they were relentless as a team, then. They kept it super simple. Um, big, powerful guys, hard to tackle. I mean, Martin was relentless no matter what the circumstances that Paul Tua was in his. Heyday, Nolovao, and then off the back of those guys charging in, and and um, yeah, Pritis and and Gow were capitalising on on those guys. Um, They're they hard to handle. That's a good team, and young kids like that, Lewis and Rooney. That, that, that's a bloody good team, and they were hard to hold out and Unfortunately, that fine moment for the the big game um, went their way. And if you had your time again, it was, um, it's really hard to pick on one moment. But I just thought we just didn't we, we we played hard, but we didn't play our best
1: style of city. Mate, after that, you go on the 2003 Ashes Tour, and, we, you know, we touched on it earlier. They were all such close games. It's one of the most underrated series of rugby league ever.
0: Oh, it awesome. Oh, really good. Like, great experience, first game of tour. A lot of injuries, actually. We had a lot of guys pull out and um, prior to the tour, and then oh, also the Great Britain squad, if you have a look at that team, it's a damn good Great Britain team. So that was a great series, for us and um, to win all three games on the Bell and things that pop out of the the tour. Not we had a great time, but mate, the, the the footy, the standard of the footy was great, and um, you know Darren Lockyer's leadership in those games and you know Iston you know, for He was it was an incredible opportunity to play alongside him for some, and well um, at length. And he was, he was he was remarkable that series. I thought.
1: Who was your uh, who was your roommate on that tour? That tour was actually Phil Bailey. He's a good time, Phil Bailey, a bit of a sneaky one.
0: Great fella. Great fella. Absolute champion. Um, it was we had such a good time. But he was he was marine. It was a ten week tour, so it was a fair fit. So that went pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, no. Nah, it was great. We had a good time. Those tours were uh, that was that, was, that was good. Um, or good opportunity and, and experience. Um, that was the first time I'd been to England and oh it was fantastic.
1: Mate, 2004 rolls around and, you know, it's sort of, as the year went on, it became the Brad Fittler farewell tour, um, losing such a legend like that and then coming into that grand final. In my opinion, you know, I, I've got the 2004 Roosters and the 2001 Eels as possibly the two best teams to never win a premiership. It was one hell of a side, wasn't it?
0: Again, we are,
1: we're we very clear in how we're playing,
0: what our objectives were. Like I said, if we got close enough, um, uh, you know, Freddie is just nice of um, over time, I'm biased because he's the best player I got to play alongside. Because I saw him deliver so many times, you know. New um, at the end of the an year, and um, yeah, it hurts that we don't we don't get the win by the end of the year. But for, uh, before Freddie signed off, it was an opportunity to play alongside. He's just a legend, out now legend, and some um, of the stuff he could do in a game. Yeah, uh, it was a privilege to to play alongside him. So. <laughs>
1: You send him off with a, in the, in the right fashion,
0: and we didn't do
1: that in that game, that grand final. I think one play that stands out for me with Freddie, I'll never forget it. That that left foot banana reverse kick that he put in for Chris Walker. Like he's the only bloke in rugby league that could have pulled off that play in a grand final. Just incredible his instincts.
0: Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah Um, that was. That's just one in a career full of them, really. I can imagine how many tight games where he just jams that side, step in and go straight through out the post. It's just um, tough, big, skillful. He's yeah, pulled back into the thread. As so, um, like I said, we'd still burn us now as players that we didn't send him off in the right fashion, but that's what he did. He can't, we can't fix that anymore and still acknowledge we had a great team and a great era that probably fell short there.
1: I've been to a number of grand finals, probably 10 or 15 over the last 20 years, and I think that night there, the the atmosphere around it, it was just a grand final that had been coming for three years, the Roosters against Canterbury, it was amazing, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, definitely, Um, they were in that, all assembled a, a pretty fearsome team, and um, they were, uh, they were like you, you talked about, I think Bernie said he had um players in the sweet spot, and Canterbury had a team full of young guys and players in their sweet spot as well, and um, I'm kicking game of Sherwin just clinical uh, uh, key moments so yeah well, uh, they were such a, a good squad and in the end they got the job done that day oh, well, Fitzgibbon and Skilful having a duel yeah, well,
2: certainly
1: And after that 2004 grand final, you know, you've always been a pretty calm and uh, collected character in that Kangaroo Tour. uh, You end up in a little stink with Paul Sculthorpe. Fuck, you didn't miss him.
0: Oh, yeah, he started it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Of course he did.
0: Nah, yeah, yeah, no. I landed on him. On on the ground, I actually squashed his head with the elbow and then he lashed lashed out a bit, so I lashed back. But actually, um, can you believe I didn't? Um, he's a good man, actually. He's a great fellow. I've had heaps of conversations with him. He's a really good guy, and that was great testimony, is not it? He can, he can get into that, and then there's no just play on, you know. Like I didn't get sent off. I got, I got charged, but really. I didn't even get suspended. Like, God, I don't know, I don't know how long I get suspended So if I try you try to pull a stunt like that now. Um, ah, we didn't get suspended, but often. Face up against the next one. So that was great. It's a good old test match, hard footy. And, um, now he picked the cap. on thing I like about those guys is stress in the game. Blame shake hands. Boom, let's go. Let's get ready to go next time.
1: No, so it's great. Did you, uh, did you catch up with Paul for a beer after or anything?
0: I'm uh, not straight after. No, I caught I mean, up. Obviously, it's not throughout those, those tours. But, um, mate, I've, I've seen him around the traps and off. Scully and... Um, actually talked to him the other night on a Zoom call. He was doing a ride for charity with a mate of mine, New Endows, and... We got on and had a laugh about it and had a joke. He a great
1: fella, Mate, you returned in 2005 to the Roosters, um, the Brad Fittler-less Roosters. What sort of a hole did he leave in the club?
0: It's part of a... Um, obviously a leadership back in there. And then, um you know, Rico took over there for a bit. And then the year after, Rico left. So it was like a two-stage a two process in, in a leadership back in. So... Just those guys, their presence and leadership around the club is huge, and and I think we're all learning um, how to, you know, nowadays clubs are pretty well equipped to go, okay, this player of this caliber is leaving, what are we doing to fix it? Player of this caliber is leaving, what are we doing to fix it? You know, and I think at the time the answer would have been, we'll just get rid of all old players and start again from scratch. But I think. It's just about balancing those. You know, when you if you lose a leader like Freddie, you can't replace a guy like that. So what do you got to do? You've got to try and get a, a good character to fit, fit in somewhere. You know, maybe develop a young heart to fill his shoes, but extra uh, leadership player in the forwards or, you know what I mean? You've got to account for that stuff. And um, that was two really big voids that we probably didn't fill.
1: How did the game change for you when you became captain of the Roosters?
0: Um, oh, well... Oh thought I had a poorly to be the perfect poorly to start with. I just one thing that you, I love about coaching is you know, analysis of yourself and, um, and and knowing where you go wrong and, and, and figuring that out. I, I think I was just too – well, I was just couldn't understand why people didn't think like me. It took a while to figure that out. And, mate, the timing, I felt the pressure of I um, felt like I was by myself in the leadership sense and then had who was learning, but he was young um, when he'd come in. So uh, you know, again, just a huge leadership vacuum, and and I didn't probably get the job done as well as I'd liked. I think I got better at it, over time, but um, you know, that was a tough couple of years.
1: After those tough couple of years, though, you make the move to Hull. Tell me about making the decision to finally leave the Roosters.
0: Um yeah, look, we just got to that. Um again, we had uh 2008, we had a great year, and then 2009 we had a terrible year, you know. But um, I just felt like um, if, you know, I'd been there ten years. Um, they, I'm, I'm certain, they would have, they would have wanted to to move on from me, and I needed to move on from them. So I think we both needed a break from each other as much as possible. And, and I felt like you know, I'd, I'd organised to work for the Roosters, but I, I I needed to go away. And I was supposed to just, I was only just going to go to Hull for one year because I felt like I had a little bit of free left. But I lasted two years, and was the most enjoyable experience I've had, it was unbelievably good and. Um, uh, for myself and the family and footy and friends I've made over there. And then it set me up to work. I was re- I was done. I was cooked by the time I come home and I was ready to get into into footy. And um, it was, ended up as a huge blessing in disguise. And I'm really thankful that the Roosters let me go and do that. And I'm really thankful that Hull put took me in.
1: Now, mate, mistake me if I'm wrong, but you, you played for Hull FC. Now, I believe your father played yep. for the Rovers. That's essentially the Roosters and Souths over there, isn't it? 100%. 100%. Uh, Did you well, cop a bit of stick or what?
0: A little bit, but it doesn't matter if the history doesn't count. If you play for Hull SD, you're going to get stick from Hull KR and vice versa, so it didn't matter too much. They were always going to be off me, but it was great playing a couple of derbies, really good, really good time, really good experience. And yeah, Dad, Dad, Dad talked me into it. He said, you know, because I was talking about going to England, I said, I just need to get some footy out. And he said, No, go to Hull, you'll love it. And um, thankfully for me, it ended up being on Hull SD and it worked out great.
1: Mate, after that, you obviously go into the coaching ranks with the Roosters. We've we've already spoken about it briefly. There's just one last thing I want to ask you about. That 2018 grand final, obviously, it looks extremely unlikely that Cooper Cronk's going to play, and he, he essentially comes from the dead and plays that grand final. Tell me, how did that week unfold? When did you realise, shit, this bloke could actually play this grand final? Oh, mate, no, he shocked
0: the shit out of us, too, that very we. He... he... All that resigned to the back, and uh right in my head, we we're going through all different scenarios, how we're going to play, who we're going to play, what we're going to do, and all this. and then, even you know, with um Steph Brennan, I had a medical to see a, um, a different a doctor for a, a series of injections and, and see if that was going to work in his shoulder to numb the pain. And i remember coming to work the next day, and I was just sitting in Robbo's office and having a chat, and, and Robbo said, "Kids was playing." And I like, "Oh, what pun?" Huh? And he went, "Yeah."
1: What morning was oh, that, Craig? Oh,
0: oh, I don't know. I can't remember the particulars. I'm pretty poor with. Yeah, okay. Um, look, pretty poor uh, time stamping going backwards. I seem to just jump forwards too much. But I do remember clearly sitting there going, "Playing." I just couldn't. He come in all bubbly that morning. Yep, I can do it. I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm sweet. No, I was just going, "Mate, even still, I just can No, you can't. This won't happen. Like, I understand the gravity of the guy's injury. Shoulder
1: blade was broken.
0: It just doesn't, yeah. Unbelievable. Toughest, toughest footy feet I've witnessed.
1: Mate, it must have been a, a pretty nervous time for you and Trent Robinson coming into that game. Like, obviously, you're playing Melbourne. They're the kings of targeting individual players. Like, obviously, you can't build an entire game plan around targeting a halfback, but you would have, you know, like, I, I, I didn't think Cooper Cronk had to make as many tackles in that game as I expected. I thought it was going to be a brutally tough night at the office for him. I thought they'd just run at him all day.
0: Here's where I differ a little bit where um, I feel like with, um, with what players want to do, all, all the criticism of Melbourne or the criticism of um, other teams and clubs that before where what they'll say is, oh, how come you didn't target him, how come you didn't target him and, and mate, that's easier to say. If you want to target a guy that stands two or three positions in from the sideline, you're going to divert. All your clubs, your energy and attack out near the sideline. You're letting our forwards off the hooker. You're not winning the middle. You're not winning the battle. You won't win the battle. So, if you want to change um, your style of play that you've had for an entire season to get to a grand final and then rock up and go, you know what, why don't we just throw our attack out here, which you haven't done all year. This doesn't make sense. It's too hard to, you know what I mean, it's too hard to, to change that. Sure, you've got to ask some, some questions there, but... Um, you know, we would have. He would have. I think he showed, didn't he? He jumped in front of a couple anyway,
1: didn't he? Oh, for sure, but, mate. He he, he didn't yeah. miss all game. Fuck, he's a tough little homeboy. Nah,
0: he it, is, but does that make sense here? Where if you if you're Melbourne, do you throw out what's got your know, the, the the big hands in the first place just to target a guy out? And no, that I, I would have thought too. I would have thought too that they thought they wouldn't have known right after the game day he was playing.
1: You kept it under wraps. Tell me, when did the playing group find out, and what was the reaction? I imagine it must have made a huge difference in that squad.
0: in hindsight, I think it sharpened everyone to, to protect him and play a little bit harder and put their best performance in. I think that possibly it gave us a positive advantage in the end. But um, yeah, I, I, I can't remember the details of how it all happened, but. Um, just an incredible feat. Like it really was. The guy was shot. He was a shot dark, but it the benefit of everyone inside and outside in protecting him was, uh, was huge. And and yeah, maybe it made it surge even harder towards the finish line.
1: I've got a couple of questions from my followers on Instagram. The first one is, yep. um, who was the toughest player you came up against?
0: Um, yeah, you know I always uh, respected the hell out of Petra in this fever. His his relentless nature just. Every game, rock hard, non-stop, um, no frills. And just every time, you, it's like hitting a rock hard moving body over and over again. And you know, no matter how hard you hit it, it's still going to keep coming at you.
1: <laughs> I think it's unfortunate in the modern game now, the way that front rowers are heading, that a guy like Petro seven seaver like his, you know, what what he brought to a game of footy, you know, it's, it's almost now, unfortunately, being overshadowed by your... You know your explosive front rowers that are breaking tackles, that are offloading constantly. It's a real yeah. sign of how much the game has changed, isn't
0: it? A bit. But Petro he still would have been a damaging player now, and and just there's a reason all the teams that he played in over the course of his career were successful. You just got to can't underestimate what those guys can do. You know that you're having the worst day out, and one of those guys trundle forward. They carried two defenders for an extra ten meters. That could be just the one moment that the rest of the team can capitalize
1: on, you know? Fitchy, last one. I've had a few questions um, about people asking. Apparently, you're into um, some Olympic weightlifting. Is that true? <laughs> I think that's the up to be perfectly honest. i am probably look how skinny I am and go, well, he clearly
0: doesn't lift any weights. No, I, um, I'm, I've got I've got rotten shoulders. I need a shoulder replacement on one side and the other one's rotten. So, mate, I, I just surf. Some other training and light lifting, but I definitely wouldn't be strong enough to be throwing in Olympic lifts. My
1: shoulders wouldn't handle that, mate. I'll tell you what, it's a cracking G because I've had about six questions about it. Someone's done a special really? on you here, yeah, and they're, they're all asking me about a carnivore diet you're on. Is that is that true? Uh, or are People talking out of their nah, ass.
0: No, nah, no, not carnivore, not carnivore. But I just I've always paid attention to my nutrition, and I, 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 I was a shot duck in like 2006 or seven. I was when Minnie had his really bad back injury. Yeah. Um, and you'd know many right into his nutrition as well. What we did was we just really started to research why our bodies were so inflamed and why we're struggling with injuries and can't process inflammation well. And so we just um, got right into it, nutrition myself and Minnie and um, we just you know focused on just eating the top, you know, really quality ingredients and, and cutting all the shit out and you know, the high starches and and. Um, you know, in complex cars and just cut all that shit out and basically just end up, I'm not getting a fair bit leaner but my body just sorted itself out End ended up lasting another four years too because, my you know, injuries weren't so bad I only processed all that inflammation and managed to hang in there so no, I'm not, I'm not carnivore but I definitely try and eat clean and I love a, I love a surf and a, and a beer and i love to, if I'm going to have a few beers in the day I an not or a couple of wine for one for and, Sure, I'm eating healthy, yeah. I don't want to, don't want to drink and eat poor at the same time, so I like a little like a quiet beer or wine here and there, so it's good to make sure I can um, stay, stay healthy.
1: Mate, you spoke about Anthony Minocello in that 06 time. Did um did yep. what happened to Minocello, you know, all of his injuries, did they give you a bit of a scare and, like, sort of force you towards changing your ways as far as diet and everything goes?
0: Oh, uh, yeah, I, it, did, it did, watching him. Show. I was busted myself. I had a really bad ankle. I couldn't train had bad achilles, bad ankle. I had surgery on it, couldn't run for four months, um, couldn't train for most of the year. It was just, the roosters were just looking at me going, I'm just worn out. the so back of the two, three, four, five seasons, we were all, all with grand finals, origins, and guru tours at the end of them. We just had too much footy in a short space of time. And getting the 30 years old, so they were just looking at me and going, I'm going to retire, this guy's busted. So I went, well, right over panic and I don't figure out what's wrong with me I will get retired and fortunately for me I um 2007 started to sort all that out and then by 2008 I ended up playing for Mitchell clubs in Australia again so it was a huge it was a huge turning point for me
1: mate I uh, I congratulate you on everything you've achieved in your illustrious playing career and the fantastic things you're doing at the roosters now I can't wait until you get a head coaching gig somewhere really looking forward to it thanks for coming on today mate I really appreciate it
0: Pleasure, pleasure. Nice chatting, and um, yeah, thanks for having me.
1: Thanks, Fitzie, mate.